Amen. Thank you, Brother Jerry. All right, Judges in chapter 7. Judges in chapter 7. I want to precursor this by just reminding you that we've already gone through uh, a good bit of what we're still going through tonight, uh, and that is uh, a fearful Gideon, okay, Uh, and God seeming to bring him along. So uh, Judges chapter 7, we're going to read verses 9 through 15, and I'll let you be seated. So Judges chapter 7, verse 9. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Arise, get thee down unto the host. In other words, let's go to work. For I have delivered it into thine hand. But if thou fear. (laughs) That's a good statement. But if thou fear to go down, go thou with Fura thy servant down to the host. And thou shalt hear what they say, and afterward shall thine hands be strengthened to go down unto the host. Then went he down with Phira his servant unto the outside of the armed men that were in the host. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of the east lay along in the valley like grasshoppers for multitude, and their camels were without number as the sand by the seaside for multitude. And when Gideon was come, so you get the idea, the moment he shows up, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellow. (laughs) It's nighttime and he's already telling him a dream he had. And said, behold, I dreamed a dream. And lo, a cake of barley bread. So that's like the lowest form of grain bread you can get. The lowest of the low, okay? A cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian and came unto a tent and smote it that it fell and overturned it that the tent lay along. And his fellow, now this is a Midianite, the enemy, answered and says, This is nothing else save the sword of Gideon the son of Joash, a man of Israel, for into his hand hath God delivered Midian and all the host. Now just let's put this in context a little bit. I want you to think about, this is at the campfire of the enemy. I want you to understand, I want you to think about this. How do you think this played out? Do you think, I mean, I'm just, I'm I'm, I'm not trying to add to the text, but I'm, I'm trying to put some life into it. Normally at the campfire of the enemy, my brain is thinking, this would not have been told like as a serious thing. Do you understand? This would have been a joke if it's the enemy, you know, whenever I played basketball against the other guys, they didn't talk about how bad we were going to beat because of some guy. They were going to talk about how bad they were going to beat us, especially when they were bigger than us, stronger than us, everything else. Now, I'm not saying that's what happened. Perhaps there were two fearful guys. Whatever it was, Gideon just happened to show up at the exact moment that this conversation happens. Okay, and what does Gideon do as a result? Verse 15, and it was so, when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof, that he left, right? 
No, he worshipped. So you understand, it doesn't mean he tossed a little prayer up to heaven. Again, remind us, when it says he worshipped, it means he did this. That's what worship means. It means wherever he was, he got on his face before God. Literally, he physically got on his face. You know, we got to run. Nope, I got something to do first. And he worshipped. (laughs) And then returned unto the host of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord hath delivered into your hand the host of Midian. And he divided the 300, and we'll get on to that part later. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the day. Lord, I would ask that you'd bless as we study in the the passage tonight. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I should have brought this up last, last week, and I did not. I didn't make it a clear distinction. So I, in somewhat of an apology, I want to talk about it tonight because I should, have, I should have brought out this distinction last week. If you remember that the Lord told Gideon that the first group that needed to leave were those that were afraid. Okay? Now, is Gideon afraid in this passage? Well, obviously, because God said, if you fear, go down to the host. Now, here's the difference, and I did not, I'm sorry, again, I did not t- bring it out, but... Those who left of the 22,000, those that walked out and said, if you're afraid, go home. The word for afraid for them was like, like literally terrified. Shaking in their boots. They knew they were going to die. Why are we even here? I can't believe it. The only reason they showed up is because you blew the trumpet, and that's what we're supposed to do is when the trumpet blows, we're supposed to show up. It, literally, the word means terrified. So as soon as they had the opportunity to leave, they're gone. Whew, holy cow. The word, that, the word that it uses for Gideon is just fear, afraid, not terrified. There was fear present, okay? Now, here's the difference. So let me, let me kind of throw this back and forth between you. Gideon was at least displaying some trust in God in the process. And so God was seeing his fear, but drawing him further into faith. Whereas this other group, they were just looking for an excuse to leave. God, whatever, can we leave? Thanks, okay. <laughs> Gideon, Gideon, faith was the last thing on their, mind, on their mind. Dying was the preeminent thing on their mind. For Gideon, was he's afraid, but there's still some trust there that he's got in God. And that's the difference between the two groups. Is the other group, yeah, God, whatever. I don't want to die. Where Okay, Gideon's over there going, his fear probably has a lot more to do with not God, but himself. Okay, But he still sees that God is doing something. Obviously, God has done something. And he's, so he's, he's willing to move forward, but there's some fear. He's ready to move forward while they were looking for an excuse to get away. Okay. Does somebody kind of see the difference there? He is ready. He's, he wants to move forward. He's a little fearful. And they're just looking for an excuse to get out of town. They want to get out of Dodge. Okay. <clears throat> but it's interesting. This message really is completely encapsulated. God has a job for Gideon to do. Does he not? There's a clear job. Um, Make sure I got... I did not get... My my notes are not in the order that I want them to be in. So forgive me if I keep moving around on my notes because that's what I'm going to be doing a lot of tonight. Finding the pieces where I want them to be in the order I want them to be. So God has a job for Gideon. 
I, I need you to go out and fight the Midianites. God has a people now for Gideon to lead, right? He's got a job for him to do. He's got a people for him to lead. The problem is, is that Gideon still has a few issues. <clears throat> How in the world can I not find that list? It was plain as day. Okay, whatever. <clears throat> Knutson. All right. <clears throat> so, he gives, he gives him a thing. He said, "Here, all right, it's time to go, but let's just pause here a sec. If you fear, I want you to go, to, I want you to go down to the camp. Okay, for all of you hunters, you're going to really enjoy this. You know, I, I look up the names of people just because God, the names in the Old Testament sometimes mean something uh, special. So he take, tells him to go take his servant, Fira, and it's hunting season. You know what Fira means? Foliage. It's, like, it's almost like God said, get your camo. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, it was just super humorous to me. I'm picturing Gideon down there in a ghillie suit, you know. Get your foliage. Anyways, if you don't know what a ghillie suit is, it's just really awesome camo. But anyways, so God had Gideon go down to the camp. What seems to me for three, maybe four reasons. Number one is Gideon still had some remaining fear that had to be dealt with. Number two, as a result of this, and as God said, he wants to strengthen his hands. Okay? If he goes down and he hears this whole interaction between the two soldiers, it's going to increase his strength somehow, strengthen his hand, which means it's going to give strength to his, the action portion of his faith. Okay? And I can't help but think that part of the reason is for exactly what Gideon did after he heard this whole dream thing back and forth was he stopped everything he did and he found himself on his face before God. And then, lastly, would be to go back up and do exactly what he did. All right, guys, let's go. God has promised, let's go. Okay? No, I, I toyed with a lot of ideas on this back and forth, you know, we... As preachers, we try to look, what's the fallen condition focus here? What's the man, what's the man portion of our preaching that gets involved? And man, I mean, it's obvious that sometimes we doubt, you know, we doubt, not God, but we doubt our ability when God wants us to go this way. I don't know if I can really do that. Um, Sometimes we do need some encouragement. And when exercising our faith, you know, and some of those thoughts. And, and then I've added to that my own portion of study, what I call the God focus. And I'm telling you, that has been wonderful as well. In this passage, if you just focus on just God himself, just, just set aside Gideon for the moment and just look at the acts of God in this passage, you know what you find? You find a good God. <laughs> There's a good God in this passage. Long-suffering He's just really, really patient. He's concerned about that God, that Gideon's faith would grow. He's concerned that, that Gideon would have the proper response to the, to the situation. Not fear, but worship. I mean, all of this is good. I remember in the, the book of Joel, and you know, we've used this verse for other things, but Joel 2.13, and rend your heart and not your garments, and we talk about that portion a lot, portion a lot but he says this, And turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. I'm just, we serve a good God. And if if you'd look at this passage in a God focus, man, you just see a really awesome God in this passage. He, he loves his people, he loves Gideon, he understands who Gideon is, he knows he needs help, and he doesn't sit back there and go, what's wrong with you? 
He does what he, he does what he needs to get Gideon to the right place. It just really does. I love it. So, and then I got to looking at about like every preacher should. Let me tell you, what every preacher should is take the passage and then say, "What does that do for me? What do I need out of this? What is it? What is it that <clears throat> that speaks to me out of the truth of this passage?" And you know, there's been times that. I get a little fearful about some of the stuff God has pointed me to do. You know, there's sometimes, you know, conversations pastors have to have that aren't that much fun. There's sometimes, you know, it's like I tell you before, you know, we go door knocking and, you know, I'm scared every first two or three doors, every time. Nervous, talking to people. God, I mean, it don't matter how many times you've done it. It's funny, you're sitting there, uh, just, just this week I had the opportunity, thank the Lord, I had an opportunity to, to give the gospel to one of the contractors we're talking to about some of this work back here. And, uh, and like the Lord saying, here he is, you know, and the subject came up. And you know, it's amazing how the fear, the fear comes up. Oh, he's not going to want to talk about this. I, you know, I don't want to hurt our chances with blah, blah, blah. And, and finally it's like, it's what I'm supposed to do. It's like he's here doing his job, and I also have a job. You're all here? So thank the Lord. And I, I, I'm telling you, whether this whole thing... Well, anyways. God encouraged Gideon. I want you to think about this. God encouraged Gideon to go back to lead a group of men into a battle that is completely against the odds. And it wasn't like Gideon was over here going, we can beat the odds. You have to understand that. It wasn't as a result of this that, that somehow Gideon was encouraged that his 301 number were going to beat the odds of the 135,000. That's not what encouraged Gideon. Yet you have to understand that. This is, otherwise, what would they have done? They would have gotten to formation and they would have attacked. They did not attack, did they? Everybody understand, if you know the story of Gideon, they stood around the enemy and they smashed a bunch of pictures and they blew some pictures, not pictures, pictures, and blew some trumpets and, and the Midianites killed each other. I mean, Gideon understood at the end of this that they, they didn't actually, the winning of the battle wasn't going to be by their swords. I, I, I mean, there were going to be some swinging, but that's not why the battle was won, Okay. And then I got thinking about, I saw this little statement that, did you know, if you think about it, people say, you know, I'm just not sure my faith is that strong. My faith is weak. You know, I've heard that. You know, and sometimes I think we think of faith, we think of faith because we've watched too many movies. We think of faith as something like, something that needs to be conjured. Okay, and listen, I'm a movie watcher with the best of my like, but I think somehow like, and, and this is what sticks in my mind, and there's versions of it through all, all the various things of it, that you have to get t- in touch with this inner strength somehow, you know? And so like, you have to like reach out with your feelings and find this extra strength. And once you can get a hold of it, you have to increase your faith to grasp a hold of it a little harder 
so that I can get a hold of that strength and use it. You know what I'm saying? And so that's our vision. That's where you get the stuff like, you know, like, I, I like the movie Polar Express, you know. If you just believe. And again, like, it's like, in what? Believe in what? And that is how we often think about, listen, God didn't, God didn't take Gideon down to the camp so he'd go like this with his faith. Okay, I need to just, a little harder, more faith. And even I think sometimes we misunderstand the whole idea and possibly even of the grain of mustard seed. It's, it's not about how much faith you have, per se, as what is the object of that faith. Gideon wasn't going to win the battle. He had been given the victory of the battle. Do you understand that? God said he was, he was going to deliver. He was going to deliver. And that's even what God, when, and Gideon goes back up to the group at verse 15, he says, the Lord hath delivered into your hands the host of Midian. Who's giving the victory here? Who, who has won the victory? What's, what's the outcome already? Who's already given the outcome? Gideon and the 300 had an opportunity to be a part of a battle that God had already won. It was already predetermined. It wasn't about somehow Gideon working up a little bit stronger faith so they could win the battle. If I just had more faith, the battle would be won. No. You're, you're missing the point. The whole thing is Gideon, had to, Gideon was being blinded by something. What was he being blinded by? We talked about it last week also. What, what, where does fear come from? Because what, is, what does the Lord tell Gideon? He says in verse nine or verse 10, rather, but if thou fear to go down. In other words, if you fear to go down and do what I told you to do, if you're still fearful about that, here's, here's the process I want you to take. So what is God trying to get rid of in Gideon? So I heard it. Fear. He wants to get rid of fear. Well, where's the fear coming from? Is, do you think Gideon is fearful of God somehow? No. Why would he be fearful of God? <clears throat> Could it be like Peter that he saw the Midianites and that's what caused his fear? Could that be possible? Because there's a whole lot of them and just a few of him. So, in other words, what we're saying is that Gideon, he looked at their resources and he looked at his resources and he said, this is stupid. In other words, he still hadn't quite got his mind on the fact that his resources weren't what was winning the battle to begin with. You connect the dots, everybody with me? God was already giving the victory what, what Gideon had to do was stop looking at himself and his own ability and start getting his eyes on God and God's promises. There's no question of God's ability. Never has been. Is there a person in the room that doesn't think that God can do whatever he wants? As much as he wants, as long as he wants. You realize that's never been the problem for believers 
is the ability of God. The problem for believers is always the ability of us. And when we start allowing the ability of us to get in the way of what God says to do, we miss some stuff. We miss stuff. We get fearful. I don't know that I can do that. Somehow for Gideon, his own ability was still just a little bit in the forefront of his view and it wasn't quite letting him see the victory. (laughs) He couldn't quite see it. And I just love, I just, listen, I love the patience of God. I really, I'm, I just, I can, I don't know how much I can, can, can say this, but God continually strengthens the weak. By the way, God also continually weakens the strong. <laughs> I hope you understand what I mean that, but I mean by that. He weakens the strong and strengthens the weak. Those who, those who aren't fearful or have a little bit of fear, but their fear is overwhelmed by, their, by the, the belief of their own ability to accomplish the task, God is going to keep stripping away their ability until there's nothing left for them to do but look to God. The object of our faith makes a difference. Gideon's faith was still torn between two pieces. Because fear, listen, fear can only be caused when he still had a little bit of faith in his own ability. Because when he looks at his own ability, he's obviously every time going to see, I'm not going to make it. That has to be gotten rid of for the fact that God has already given the victory. I just need to believe the promise. Amen. And, and ignore my inability. <clears throat> it's not like the Bible doesn't talk about that, does it? We talked about it last week also. Paul said what? <clears throat> God told him that God's strength is made perfect in Paul's weakness. What Gideon needed to do was get out of the way of faith in his own faith in God. It was the object. Somehow Gideon still saw himself as possible. No. Fear, fear, listen, fear gets in the way of spiritual strength. Fear, if you're working from fear, your faith is is being limited. If you're working in spite of fear, well, now we're getting somewhere. God's strength has already won this battle. So my faith then, listen, my faith is not dependent upon me going, I got to believe just a little bit more. No, my faith is totally dependent on whether or not God's promises are true or not. Or maybe I should put it this way. My faith is totally dependent on my belief of whether God's promises are true or not. Everybody knows the answer, right? Are God's promises true? And the answer is, is God a liar? Can he be trusted? Okay. You know we don't actually all really believe that, right? There's three areas in my mind that this kind of comes together. Okay? In, in, in our own passage here, God was calling Gideon to do a work that he did not believe he could do. Let me tell you, it, it is the nature of God to call us to do something that we do not feel qualified for. That is, I'm just telling you, I, it, that's just the nature of God. Why would he do that? 
because he doesn't want us walking out the other end saying, look what I did. Does that mean it's wrong to go and get training? Uh, Absolutely not. Jesus even started that process with the disciples. But there's a big difference between pride that says, I can do it, or a selfish selfish view that says, I can't do it. Both both have a problem. Gideon was looking looking at this problem. God was saying, I've given you the victory, go and do it. He'd already given him several examples, several proof. Again, the patience of God, the glory to God, whatever it might be. But Gideon was still had just a little bit of himself in the way, and he couldn't, couldn't quite get there. I, that's, I, you know, God, step up. Listen, maybe this is a ministry I want you to take on. God, I, I don't, I'm not qualified for that. But here's someone I want you to give the gospel to. I'm not qualified for that. Pastor asked if, if Pastor asked or Miss Dana asked or somebody asked if we could come take part of this. Oh, I don't feel like I can do that. That's exactly what Gideon's going through. His fear was self-related instead of God-related. And God is going to, he just consistently does it. He calls us to places that are unfamiliar. What Dana and I, the phrase that we've used over and over again is, God just made the box smaller. (laughs) I don't know, it's just the illustration that we've used for ourselves. You can pick your own, but it's like, it's like, all of a sudden, the box went, chink. Okay, God, we can't really do this. <laughs> yeah, this is what I want you to do. Oh, okay, God. <laughs> You're going to have to do it because I can't. Yep, you got the picture. Let's go. <laughs> Who, Gideon's eyes weren't quite all on the Lord. He still had too much Gideon and not enough God. And then I think also about areas where there's work to be done, and you've been working a long time at it, and you're just wore out. Why do you think the Bible has so many ideas of being weary? Be not weary in well-doing, for in due time you shall reap if you faint not, out of the book of Galatians. I think of Paul. Here he is, he's been out there. I'm sorry, as much as, as, much as we look at Paul, and Paul was awesome, and yes, he was an apostle, but the man was... He experienced things I just can't imagine. Beaten over and over. How many times, talking about drowning in the deep and being robbed and being rejected, thrown out of town. I'm sorry, but how many preachers do you think would have quit after literally being killed and thrown out of town, thrown out on the trash heap, essentially? I'm just, how many, how, how many of you would be done at that point? And here he is at some point, I'm assuming, especially, I'm just especially just thinking how many times he's been probably hit in the head from the rocks and things like that. He's got some severe eyesight problems. And uh, he, he just feels insufficient. Now, can you imagine that? You're a preacher and you, heart, you can't read. You have to have somebody read to you. I'm just telling you, many of you here know Brother Carl Boonstra. And when we brought him up to do our missions conference, I wish you could have before he came here and preached, because it was astounding. But he was in some severe self-doubt because his eyesight was almost gone. And we're all saying, like, Brother Boonstra, you forgot more than most of us know. Just get up and preach what you know from your memory, you know. And, I mean, he was so concerned and was seriously considering, maybe I should be done because of his eyesight. And I think about the Apostle Paul, 
traveling in the midst, all those missionary journeys and some of his greatest work. And I think about in Corinthians when he said, he said, man, I asked the Lord to take this away from me, to help me out. And he says, no, this is what the Lord said. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength. God says, my strength is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul says, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me. Can I just talk to those of you who feel like you've been trying to do right, you've been trying to do right, you've been trying to do right, and God says, you're not done yet, keep going, and you have to say, I don't know if I can keep doing this. (laughs) Can I just tell you? It's never been about your ability. We still serve the same God. He's just as powerful as he always has been. And you can trust him. And the fact that you're getting weaker, guess what that means? It just means he can shine more. Don't quit. And then I think about things like the story out of Mark chapter 9. And I think about that father who brought his son who was demon-possessed out to the Lord. And that father had tried everything he could, even brought him to the disciples, and the disciples couldn't do it. And he brings him to, the father, to, to Jesus, and Jesus says, if thou believe, if you believe, and you remember what the father said? Straightway the father child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help mine unbelief. You ever been there? God, I, I, I know you can fix this. Part of me doesn't believe it'll ever change. God, please. Do you understand God has room for that? He had room for Gideon. Do you hear hear me? Long entrenched sin. This is a problem. Even Jesus said, this kind cometh not forth but by prayer and fasting. You know what prayer and fasting does? It gets us in better connection with the object of our faith. It doesn't give us a handle on the object of our faith. (laughs) It gives the object of our faith a better handle on us, if anything. But Jesus healed. I just think about that father saying, God, I I don't know what to do. I've tried everything. Please, God. (laughs) And God healed that little boy. Permanently, by the way. Permanently. He cast that demon out and refused that demon to ever have an opportunity to come back. Who's the object of your faith? Got long entrenched sin? Are you getting worn out with doing the things that you're supposed to do? Is God calling you to step up and do something that you don't feel capable of doing? You know, one of my favorite passages for a long time in my life has been Isaiah chapter 40. It's uh, it's a series of a, a portion of those things that the Lord used to call me to preach or call me to ministry. Isaiah chapter 40, and many of you know these verses, but go to, if you want to turn there, that's great. Isaiah chapter 40. Go down to the, towards the end, or cha- verse 28. <clears throat> Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, Fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Look at this. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. 
and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord. (laughs) They that wait upon the Lord. What does that mean, wait upon the Lord? That word wait is one of the most interesting words I have I'm still not sure if I totally get the, the general or the, the, the whole scope of it. But the idea here, waiting, you know, somehow you can meet, for us it means like one of two things. Either wait means to sit and wait. You know, like deer hunting in Michigan, you find a blind and you sit in the blind and you hope that you pick the right blind and you wait for a deer to walk by. And it's boring. <laughs> okay. And then sometimes we get the idea of a, a waiter who's constantly business, you know, a waiter or a waitress all the time in. Can, can I put you, it's, it's something along the line of the waiter and this put together. Has anybody here ever been to one of those restaurants where you take a sip of your water and you put it down and like before your hand gets back to your fork, it's like filled back up to the top and you're like, Okay. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Because the first time we have one of those restaurants, it's like, is this person going to go away? You know, <laughs> Because that person's whole job is to literally stand there and watch. They are waiting <laughs> and serving. Do you hear what I'm saying? Oh, there's a need. I can, I can fill that. Okay. Oh, I'll get you another fork. Would would you like some sauce for that? Okay. Do, do you know what I'm saying? That's that's what this word wait is not one of those this kind of oh great I gotta wait on the Lord. No, it's what does God want again? What 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 am I supposed to be doing right now? Do you hear what I'm saying? Okay, Lord, I'm here and I'm available. This is where the strength from God comes. You hear that? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. I do love that because that feels a lot like life. Because it doesn't say you'll walk and not faint run and not be weary, and mount up with wings as eagles. It's reverse. It's not a takeoff, it's a landing. <laughs> and that's how I've always seen it. Maybe there's something different in there. But you know, at the end of the day, do you know what God really wants? He just wants us taking the next step in complete faith in the object of our faith, not in the ability of my strength. Because it's not been my strength from the beginning. It wasn't Gideon that won the battle. It was God who gave Gideon the victory when Gideon yielded to the promise of God. You hear that? I'm giving you the victory. Get your sword and go go get it. You hear me? I've given you the victory. And even that's how he even says. He starts off at the beginning in verse 9. Arise and get thee down. That's what God said. Get your sword and go down into the host. You, you, you can win this. You hear that? Just go down there. It's almost like you could have went down there hand to hand if you want. I've given you the victory, for I have delivered it into thy hand. Are you tired of the Christian life? You know what's happened? You've got to look at a little bit too much at your ability. 
and you've lost sight of the object of our faith. Has God called you to do something that you're saying, that can't be me. Certainly that can't be me. Yeah, maybe that's you. But it's not about you. It's about God's got a job to be done and he'd like you to be a part of it, but he's the one going to do it. You just got to get involved. Or maybe you're fighting against sin. You understand that's why the Midianites and the Amalekites are here, by the way, is because of sin. The Israelites are under the bondage of the Midianites because of the Israelites' sin. I, you know what? I think I'll just have a trouble with this sin until I die. Yeah, if you keep looking at your own ability to beat it, you're right. Well, I know God's got the ability. God, we don't trust God's ability. We know God's ability. It's God's promises that are the issue. It, through this whole thing, it was the promise of God that Gideon had to grab a hold of. It wasn't the ability of God. That was, in, that was assumed. He knew that part. God said, I have delivered it into your hands. Would you just believe me and go? I have delivered it into your hands. Would you just believe me and go? <clears throat> Some of you have sin that you have given up on fighting because you just keep, you're fearful. Listen, some of you are literally fearful. I just don't think I can do it. And some of you are even doubting the promises of God in the process. Well, not the ability of God. I know God can. He's just not going to do it for me. Really? Really? What's the Bible say? What does God call us to? What does Romans teach us? Sin shall no more have dominion over you. It can't. Sure does over me. <clears throat> you can beat it. Because he's already beaten it. Do you, you get that part? Christ has already won the victory against sin. And you can grow. Why? Not because you have the ability, but because you begin to believe the promises of God that are found in this book. Amen. I wish I had a great illustration to ram this home, but if you can't see the picture of Gideon here, when he gets back up, (laughs) you understand? He, He hears that phrase. He hears the talking between the two. And it's the last little thing he needs to just understand. God keeps his promises so much that even the enemy knows it's even common phrase amongst the enemy. That, let me see. Does the devil know he's already beaten? Yeah. And listen, Gideon on the spot, on the spot, hiding or no hiding, he says, wow. God keeps his promises. And he gets on his face. If, I'll tell you what. If all of this just resulted in just Gideon getting on his face, That would have been a huge battle won. But it was more than that. Gideon got on his face before God and said, God, I believe you now. (laughs) You are the victor here, not me. You are the power here, not me. You are the one who's going to give the victory, not me. And when he gets back up to the top of the mountain, there's no doubt left in his mind now. Hey guys, get up, let's go. Why? Because Gideon has the ability to, to win the battle? No, because he finally has a good grasp on the fact of 
God's already won it, and I get to be a part. So let's go. <laughs> you hear that? You know what faith is? Faith is not you believing just a little bit more. Faith is you understanding that God's already won, and your ability is irrelevant. Your inability is irrelevant. Your participation is required. Do you hear that? Your participation is required because that's what faith is. That's what faith is. Wow. You're leading somebody? You think Gideon was a little fearful about leading those guys in the battle? I would be. Some of you have led men or led people or led young people or led kids. Leading can be a fearful thing, making sure they're taken care of, making sure they got what they need, making sure they're going to make it through the whole thing. It's not about us and our ability. It's about the who is the object of our faith. Father, Lord, I pray that you would help us to believe this book. Help us to believe your promises. Lord, help us understand that faith isn't some weird concoction of a stronger emotional stance or a stronger philosophy. It's just trust that you keep your promises and acting like those promises are true and that you're the one who is going to and has already provided the victory that is ahead. Lord, I think about the people in this room, Lord, that you've already spoken to them about some advancement in their own personal walk with you, their personal ministry for you, Lord, whether it be witnessing to a neighbor or helping out in a ministry at church or maybe a a direct call to ministry, Lord, that you would help them to understand that it's not about their ability or inability, but it's about trusting the God who called them and will enable them. Lord, I think about those in this room who have been serving. They've been Christians for a long time. They've been witnessing maybe to the same person over and over and over and they're getting tired and they're wondering if they've got the wrong words wondering if somehow they've messed things up or haven't used the right formula for talking to that person Lord help them to realize it's it's not been about their ability or inability but it's about putting their faith in God Well, think about, the Lord, those who may get up tomorrow and have to, to deal with living with an unbelieving spouse or an angry spouse. They've been trying to do right for years, and, Lord, they're getting tired. Lord, I pray that you'd help them to realize that their own weakness is a benefit because God can shine cleaner. Pray that their faith would be strengthened. Lord, I pray for those in the room who are dealing with a long, entrenched sin. 
Lord, a sin that they've been fighting for years and cannot get rid of. Lord, to help them to realize that the sin's already been beaten. It's already been beaten. It's already been paid for before God. Lord, they need to have faith. Not in themselves, not on their ability to beat it, but on their understanding of a God that's already beaten it. Lord, I pray, Lord, like Gideon, that you would raise up amongst us. Lord, in this preacher and in this people, Gideons, who can see beyond their own inability and see the God of the promises of this book and who can come back and say, God's won. Let's go. The victory is ours. Let's do it. Lord, I pray that you'd speak as only you can, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. And let's all stand.